Okay, welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the Luminary Room, a podcast for people who think and do. Let me tell y'all, it has been a task getting over myself long enough to this point to record this first episode, but I'm grateful to be here and excited for this journey we're embarking on together. Out of everyone tuning into this very first episode, thank you for taking your time to listen to me. Uh, I value words and conversation greatly, so I don't take it for granted that you join me here, and I hope that when you finish this episode, you're inspired and have learned something new. For those who don't know me, my name is Natalie J. James, and I'm a writer, podcaster, and self-proclaimed good trouble catalyst. I'm a pleasant fusion of the Midwest, East Coast, and Caribbean, and I'm a lover of Black literature. I graduated from Smith College in 2018 with a bachelor's in Africana Studies, and I've worked in community economic development for the last few years. Uh, In February of this year, I made the decision to leave my job in community economic development, um, and I decided to lean into freelance writing. I left my full-time job with the intention, really, to live more fully and work more creatively, and I'm looking forward to sharing all of the ways that that is happening with you all. Let me pause here very quickly to shout out my Aunt Henrietta, aka my Auntie Pumpkin, because in 2016, my Aunt Henrietta, my mom, and my Aunt Galen were all at Smith visiting me during family weekend, and my Aunt Galen asked me what I wanted to be when I grow up, and my Aunt Henrietta said that she always envisioned me using my voice for something like journalism or radio work, and here I am as a podcaster. So thank you, Auntie Pumpkin. Uh, You were the first person to plant the seed in my mind, and I love you for that. Thank you. My reason for beginning this podcast is deeply spiritual. Uh, Over the years, it's become more and more apparent to me that I need to share my voice with others. Um, I've always been inclined to speak my mind and raise my voice on behalf of others. uh, And I've always noticed that people, no matter their identity, listen to me. And that is not something that I take for granted. Last year, I published an article about my experience growing up with housing insecurity, and it helped me to realize that my written words could be powerful too. Um, My hope with this podcast is to continue to raise my voice to give platforms to people who, like me, know that they have a gift, but also feel like they're late bloomers. And I want to provide a place for y'all to go for some inspiration. So what is the Luminary Room? Well, throughout middle school and high school, I was a concert choir kid, and during my junior year's end of school performance, I was presented with a Luminary Award. And my mom still has the award somewhere in the archive that she like <laughs> is building for me. Um, I never thought to look up the definition of Luminary until recently, to be honest. Uh, recently, I was reading an astrology article about Aries moons people, which I am, and one of the words used to describe Aries moon was luminary. This immediately triggered the memory of the award I received in high school. Um, And according to Oxford's languages, a luminary is a person who inspires or influences others, especially one prominent in a particular sphere, a natural light-giving body, especially the sun or moon. Essentially, the luminary room is a source for inspiration. It's a platform dedicated to highlighting the people who have real life influence on the lives of myself and others in their journey to becoming who they are. The Luminary Room is for people who think and do. And on this podcast, 
We'll talk to people from all walks of life about many different topics, and we'll get into their essential truth. We'll discuss all kinds of topics from history and art to pop culture, sexuality, spirituality, and more. And for this first episode, I'd like to start by sharing more about my own journey. Um, I moved to New Orleans in June of 2022, so I've been here only a few months. My decision to move here was one that seemed abrupt to people from the outside looking in, but was actually a long time coming. Um, I moved from Indianapolis, Indiana, where I grew up uh, after leaving Boston at the age of eight with my mom in search of a better life. We drove a U-Haul for damn near 24 hours, (laughs) leaving Dorchester and ending up on the east side of Indianapolis in September of 2004. We pulled up to the Canterbury House Apartments on the east side, shout out to the east side, and our new life began. Um, I spent 10 years in Indianapolis and then left for Smith College in Western Massachusetts after I graduated from high school in Indianapolis. Um, Shout out to Western Mass in the five college area. It's so weird, but we make our way through the granola to the other side and here we are. (laughs) After Smith, I went to DC to intern for a few months and then decided to return to Indianapolis. Now, my decision to return to Indianapolis in 2018 is very much connected to my decision to leave the city this year. High key, I knew the night before I graduated from Smith that I needed to return to Indianapolis, but I put it in the back of my mind. After being in DC for a couple of months, I had to make a decision about whether to stay or go elsewhere. And the pivotal moment for me was when I applied for an executive assistant position to a president of a large research institution. Um, I had done everything I needed to, informational interviews, multiple resume and cover letter drafts, etc. I poured over every detail of my application materials and got through a f- few rounds um, of interviews and did an interview assignment before they let me know that they had gone with another candidate. But the fact that I wasn't chosen didn't affirm my decision to move to Indianapolis. It was the reason why I wasn't chosen that affirmed my decision. I was told later that I had spelled the president's name wrong in my interview assignment. And this was the moment that I knew I had to return to Indianapolis because it was not about not getting the job. It was about the rejection pointing me in the right direction. And so I returned to Indianapolis and had to get reacclimated to my environment. And it was absolutely a rough transition, but I knew it was the right thing to do. Uh, returning to the place that raised me, gave me a different perspective on the city. And we'll get into our complicated relationship in a different episode, but I say all that to say that I had to return in order to leave on my own terms. And now I'm here in New Orleans and very excited about where this journey will take me. I moved to New Orleans for the sake of getting a better understanding of myself and the creative work that I've been put on this earth to do. Speaking of this journey, I'm so excited to introduce my guests for this episode, but first we'll have a message from our sponsors. This episode of The Luminary Room is sponsored by Melanated Leaders. Melanated Leaders is an Indianapolis-based organization working to enhance the educational talent pool for educators of color. Melanated Leaders is led by career educator Patrick Jones and works to build a powerful community of educators of color across Indianapolis so that they may inspire, educate, and edify each other for their students. Melanated's vision 
is that every school or entity that supports students of color is led by a leader of color at every level. In Indianapolis, the entire education sector is, ex is excited about reform moves that promise to provide a more equitable education experience for children of color. A portion of that reform includes work around diversity, equity, inclusion, and investing in leaders of color. With these efforts, one would assume that leaders of color thrive in Indianapolis. However, education communities are losing these leaders of color at an alarming rate. Imagine if we provided a powerful network of leaders who were built to educate each other and hold each other accountable for children. That is the work of Melanated Leaders. Melanated Leaders offers coaching, fellowship, and consulting opportunities. For more information, visit melanatedleaders.org and tap into the resources for educators of color. Our guest today is Miss Candace Henderson. Candace and I were connected at Essence Fest 2022 through a mutual friend, and it seems like from then we've been in alignment with one another. Uh, Candace is a fellow Midwest shorty, uh, an incredible community worker and nurturer, and the leader of something so incredibly beautiful in New Orleans, in the New Orleans community. But I'll let her talk about that. Candace, welcome to the Luminary Room. Thank you so much, Natalie, for such a beautiful introduction. I love learning about you, listening to all your accomplishments. Um, I learned so much just now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, hey everyone, I'm Candice. I am, um, yes, as I was saying, from the Midwest, uh, another race uh, from South Chicago. And I lived in Atlanta for a little bit after college. I graduated from NIU, um, Northern Illinois University. And yeah, I'm a new man for a little while. I'm helping my sister, my little sister, Clark from Clark, Atlanta. Uh, big ups to HBCUs. Um, and I moved to New Orleans around almost five years ago. Um, in September, in just a few days, here, mm -hmm. September 2022, we'll make my five year mark. And yeah, I love it here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what led you to New Orleans? Um, spirit, to be honest with you, Natalie. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's my internal compass, you know, yeah. I think. Uh, when I came here to visit, it's like I felt it in my bones that um, something was here for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I was meant to be here for it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that thing inside me and the city. I didn't know what service it would look like when I got here, but the city has embraced that spirit. Spirit has embraced um, the spirit of the city. Has embraced um, the spirit of me. So um, I work in a higher degree. So I would say that I work and volunteer, and um, I've gotten to the place I am now, which feels like um, one thousand percent purposeful. Yeah. And what would you say is the theme of the place where you are in your life right now? Mm, mm -hmm. That's a good one. Because you're asking for now. Yeah. <laughs> Not a run, running thing to where I am now, but what's the thing of now? I think it's I am where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. You know? Um, I'm serving him, I'm supposed to serve right now. Uh, 
my assignment is my assignment right now. Yeah. Uh, and in all these areas, they're really like build, build the areas up, you know, mm-hmm. get it, get the areas all up there. Yeah. And, you know, since you've been here, you've been here now, what, about five years? Mm-hmm. What would you say is something that most people don't know about New Orleans? Hmm. I'm not sure. I, I think a, a New Orleans would have to, like, respond with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've been embraced, but there's a lot I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, like that speaker, yep. right? Than the than the surface, and I don't even think I've penetrated that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, what I know is love. Yeah. Like we always talk. I think I hear a lot of people talking about the mysterious part of New Orleans that draws people in. Like for me, I was very curious of the infrastructure. I'm like, what's going on with these streets, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had never seen houses sitting on every house in on piers, so I was yeah. really curious. Yeah. <laughs> like, yo. But um, you know what I have found that I didn't know I would discover is love. Mm-hmm. Love in every person I encounter, love in every house I walk in, love in just this beautiful, full, enormous welcoming way, you know? Yeah. It builds me up from the top of my head to the top of my feet. Yeah, that's so beautiful and have definitely felt that. I mean, I've been here just two months, but immediately what I recognized about this city is that people approach one another through love. Like, it's like, I've never been in a city where especially black people just, I mean, it's just in their everyday habits in their bones to celebrate one another mm-hmm. and recognize one another. You know, this is the South, so people talk to you on the street you know like I was at a bar the other day and someone started a conversation with me and it was like if you didn't know who we were you would think we knew each other for a long time and it was like no I just met this random stranger you know but it was it was so fun and it it made me feel seen and warm and um actually one I feel like one thing that happened that made me pay more attention to New Orleans before I even moved here. It was last summer in Indianapolis. I went to a Tank in the Bangus concert. And um, it was a popular concert. Of course, we all love Tank in the Bangus from New Orleans, you know. And so we were waiting at the venue for like a couple of hours before the show started. And after the show started, Tank's aunt was in the um, audience and she shouted her out. And this woman had been just kind of waiting around with everyone. And I didn't even know like who she was. But there was a certain moment where she like turned around because she was standing right in the front. She turned around and came over to me and was like, thank you so much for coming. Like, I've seen you here all day. And I just want to, yeah, I just want you to know that, like, I appreciate you for being here. And at first I was like, oh, like, do you think I'm someone else? You know, I'm just like here to enjoy the show like everybody else. I don't know if you think I am, you know, who you think I am. Um, She was like, no, just I see you, you know, and appreciate you for being here. And I feel like that has happened to me time and time again since I've been in the city and it just kind of affirms that I made the right move, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And so now I want to talk to you, Candice, about your work with the Freedom House. Um, can you tell us what the Freedom House Museum is and what led you to this work? Absolutely. Um, I'm going to take a step back mm-hmm. and talk about how I came into the Freedom House. Yeah. Um, before we set the intention of making it into a museum, mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's the history. Yeah. Um, once we, you know, we went through the pandemic 2020, <laughs> and I decided to start. And I'm going to try to fast forward the story. I'm going to tell you all about praying, being on my knees, but mm. I'm going to talk about how I saved, you know, um, I think $10,000 to buy my first home. I was really intentional with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, I didn't want anything fancy. I was like, you know, it just needs to be in New Orleans because I had just got a job working with city government. And, you know, of course, it was on the stipulations for working in the city of New Orleans and I could live in the city of New Orleans. So that's all I really wanted was to live in the city of New Orleans so I could, um, you know, find, find a house in the city of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And um, I went under contract under, under, I went under contract on two homes. Okay. Um, two heads. One had mold, another had really bad termite damage, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the Freedom House was the third home I went under contract on. And at this point, I was more concerned about making sure the home didn't have any, you know, in the south and it rains and storms a lot. I didn't want any termite damage or mold issues in the house. So I put on my, uh, my work clothes to, you know, check out the premises of corners of the house. I didn't even, I wasn't, I didn't even know the um, history of the home when I bought it. That's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. My realtor actually highlighted to me, I didn't make a conscious decision for the rest of the I wanted to be part of the black people who bought the way back. Yeah. According to me, Uh, Yeah, and for the listeners who don't know, Treme is the, not only the oldest black neighborhood in New Orleans, but the oldest black neighborhood in the United States of America. So it's an incredible (laughs) privilege to live in this, in this neighborhood. Um, So, um, yeah, I, my realtor told me about the history of the home. There was a link, I got the home demo, there was an article um, in the Postman about, um, poor and the people who live inside of the home just in the castle family's house. And I didn't really even take note of it when she told me. Like, it didn't really click. Yeah. And then, like, maybe she saw it didn't click and she's like, okay, I know one of the castle family members. Let me connect you to them. Yeah. And that person just started sending me articles about um, the work that happened outside of the home and videos. And, um, you know, I told God, I said, this home is for me, this home, it feels like it's for me, yeah. but you'll give it to me, it's for me. Yeah. Sure enough, um, obstacles came um, as I was in my closing week, and every obstacle got knocked away, and uh, I closed on the home in March of 2021, and it's been a year, it's been about a year and a half now, almost, that I've I've had conversations with the family, um, community members, community leaders um, about what should happen in the home. I, immediately, I, um, and I'm going to try to frame this without right, taking it too long, but 
immediately I started, I knew, I, I knew we wanted to honor the people who did the work out of the home. So I connected with Mama Carol at Ashe, who founded Ashe Cultural Center. Yeah. And she helped me for, she helped me create this really spiritual event um, and invited um, freedom writers, um, Dodie Smith Simmons came, uh, a legacy um, uh, freedom writer who lives here in New Orleans, from New Orleans, Claude Reese came, mm -hmm. and my family members came, that was important to me, and we poured libations and said the names of people who lived in the house, and we yeah. worked out of the house, and sang songs, you know, mm -hmm. we did what our ancestors did, and what our elders did today, today right. is what we are trying to do now, you know, mm -hmm. um, and big up to you, Natalie, for this podcast, because this is the work too, you know what I'm saying, so, yeah, um, we had that event, and even from there, I did a small series of stories on the wall with people who live in the house, and I didn't intend at all for these stories to look as a museum, and everybody was like, this is a museum. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, I love tea as a weird day brings me now, and I just, you know, invited people over and hosted, you know, one, two, and even three at a time, community leaders reached out to folks. You know, sent my two pages to um, people I knew from working in the city government. Right. And invited them to, um, I work in nonprofit as well, so nonprofit leaders um, invited them to come to the space. Uh, Donnie Castle, I invited him, I like his brother, I think I saw his brother, I invited him to come to the house. He's been advising me. So, yeah. Um, Everyone just kept saying museum, museum, like, I would say 100% out of the 100% of people I saw said museum. Um, and even Jody Smith Simmons said, I always wanted to buy the house and make it into a museum, you know? And she gave me pointers, like, you know, look at the archives at Amazon at Tulane, Tulane University's Research Center, look at, um, um, Mega Everest home in Mississippi, you know, think about doing something like that. Yeah. Freddie Evans, who, you know, um, uh, published author here in New Orleans and leads le le a lot of work around Congress Square. She suggested um, we go into the Freedom House in Canton, um, Mississippi, because there's a lot of synergies on that museum, this Freedom House Museum in Canton. Mm -hmm. um, to this Freedom House because there was a network of Freedom Houses in the 60s and 70s, right? Um, that, that provided safety, that were, were provided community, really like how, like um, healthcare. It was like these were yep. methods for us as Black people. Um, so, and, and, and spiritual, right? Uh, I prayed a lot, like, what to do about this. And it was clear to me from God, like, you know, yeah and can you tell us a little bit about the castle family's work um mm -hmm. because they were just everyday people right 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 um johnny b castle and Virgin castle was a rather castle village parents mm -hmm. um johnny b i believe was a taxi driver and a longshoreman um, he worked two jobs, daytime and night. Yeah. Um, Virgin was, they say she was everything in these cases. I think it's um, listed in um, history as she was a cook, uh, host, uh, um, 
So yeah, the Texas and it's interesting because like it wasn't just them who lived in the house. There extended family members lived in the house as well. And they supported the work uh court of the Congress of Racial Equality. Mm-hmm. And this is of course headquarters. Um like the the um, Johnny B sister, I believe, like their getaway driver. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um the grandmother was a plaintiff on uh, a huge case to the segregate charity hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, and these are um, monumental things that help um, push the movement forward. So um, I just can't even imagine, but I can imagine because it's what we do. You know, we yeah. in our homes um, to make the world better. Yeah. We offer it as space, as meeting space. Like people didn't need a lot back in the day, you know, to do what they needed to do. Uh, folks were able to be fed here at the Freedom House. They um, would, you know, go to jail, right, because they were protesting. And um, the Castle family would bail them out of jail, bring, drive them here, right, um, let, them, let them get in the shower, and then feed them and let them rest. Like those are the things that we need that are for to us. You know, to continue to do the work. Mm-hmm. And I heard um, Dave Dennis, who just cut off the Dave Dennis Jr., Dave Dennis Sr., who is a um, freedom writer. Uh, I love when they say, I'm, I'm not just a freedom writer, I'm a freedom writer. Like, yeah. it's for them. They're still charging young people like myself and me to move the work forward. Um, but he said, during the release of his book this year, and I believe it was the art bar here in New Orleans where I was and heard him speak about this. He said, um, he, he's like, I wonder um, what happened to the people who allowed us to stay in, in their homes, people who risked their lives, the um, yeah. registered themselves to vote, you know, the people that fed us in New Orleans and Mississippi and Shreveport, Louisiana, and all the places in the South, right? Even places like Washington and Chicago. He was deep in it. Like, he was naming people. Yeah. So, uh, because I think that might be what we're missing sometimes. Like, we got the people to do work, but we don't have the ones to back on, right? Right. Uh, so, I see the three houses basically, you know, I'm really just a facilitator, right, of the space. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm grateful and happy to do. That's a big task too. I don't want to diminish it, yeah. but um, the people who do the work, I want to provide hospitality for them. I want them to feel seen, cared for, loved. You know, they want tea, they got tea, they need the towel, they can hop in the shower, they, you right. know, give them that. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I absolutely, so um, David Dennis Jr. and David Dennis Sr. wrote the book. Um, the movement made us, which Candace like lent me a copy of. And I mean, you know, there are so many books out there on the civil rights movement, even written per- from the perspective of those, I mean, essentially like veterans who were part of the fight. But I feel like the movement made us is just so incredibly beautiful because it's an honest, you know, mm-hmm. portrayal of not just the work they did, but the impact that it had on them in good ways and not so good ways like and I think the work of the Freedom House is like healing now because you know so much of what we hear especially when it comes to voting is oh like ancestors died for your right to vote 
But in the movement made us, David Dennis Sr. is like, I didn't, like, I was afraid to die, you know? Medgar Evers did not want to die. Like, we, you know, were trying to survive while doing this work. And and so I think it's just a beautiful full circle moment that you're now doing the work with the Freedom House to provide the, the healing space because these young people didn't want to like they did put their lives on the line because that's what was necessary but i think if they had been able to been in a be in a space where they could be safer and like have you know mental health services and whatnot like you know it's it it would have it would have absolutely supported them so yeah uh the work of the freedom house is really beautiful and what would you say is the purpose of the Freedom House in the New Orleans community? I mean, that's simple. Mm-hmm. That's simple. It's a big question. For yeah. Sure. <laughs> like, for thought-provoking questions. Yeah. But, you know, I've been in deep thought, not alone with spirit mm-hmm. and with community. So I feel prepared to answer that question. So thank you for it. Yeah, yeah. I believe the purpose of the Freedom House uh, this is sacred ground. Like you said, these are, um, it's, it's, the ancestors uh, are not forgotten. They're here. You know, we call their names. Uh, I think that's the deep work of New Orleans, but I'm still, I'm grateful to sit down with elders and um, sisters, right? And um, having sacred practices, you know, uh, being someone with ancestors um, but this is an ancestral space mm-hmm. uh, a space i've learned in the last year and a half we own in this home how much space matters yeah you know um, and so often i think as black people we're just we we've been trying to survive so we don't really take note of all of these things like where are we what happened here you know yeah. what's the energy in here um so the purpose of the Freedom House is to share the community. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. Uh, and we're sharing the community in these three ways, designing a museum to tell the stories of the work that happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, and the museum is going to be designed, um, which I'm really excited for in partnership with elders and young people. Yeah. Like that to me, to Everything we do is for the future, right? Um, it's for young people. Yeah. Um, and it shouldn't be done just for them. It should be done with them, okay. right? Uh, we should be supporting them. Uh, and just by creating structure, right? Mm-hmm. We are. We help keep. We help make it happen. And they show up and they do the work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so the elders have young people telling them the stories. By the young people in our house that are um, really the young people, right? Yeah. Um, so that they take this work even further. Uh, so yeah, the purpose of the greenhouse is to, to share with the community. And we're going to do that through the the community space that people can rent. You know, mm-hmm. uh, it'll be a scaled uh, price point where folks will, you know, maybe smaller nonprofits don't have as much money. They can't afford these huge um, tickets, right? <laughs> they right. don't need uh, space to be for to do real work. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're gonna allow folks um, 
use the community space and um, the state house, you know, a place that he had freedom writer. So we're turning it to its original intent as well. Yeah. Um, partner with Black Lives Matter, allow activists to community organizers to use the space to work on the space. Yeah. yeah. And what excites you about the Freedom House the most? Uh, that is back in black hands. Mm-hmm. Shout yeah. out to black <laughs> Yeah, black shout out to black people. It's in our bodies. Like, you know, it's going to get stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it seems bigger than what it is, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is not a new model. Like, black people have been buying back black, right? right? So I'm not going to say, like, this is a so excited about the freedom house like when we met at essence fest nibria was just like you know i'm at school with nibria and uh, nibria also works with candace uh and myself on the freedom house and nibria was like yeah just pop by you know the freedom house booth and i was like okay <laughs> my first it's like my second week in new orleans and i just come to the booth and it's so welcoming and beautiful and you know such a black space and candace just has open arms just like yeah like write your thoughts down like and come on over and we had a conversation at the freedom house and it was just like what do you need because i'm here (laughs) you know this is beautiful um so incredibly special and i think especially as young people like reconnecting with ancestors making that bridge between the elders who are still living and ourselves can be really hard and we don't know where to start with that work Right. And so I think the Freedom House is so incredibly special because those bonds are critical, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, they're really, really critical. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, Candice, this conversation has been so beautiful. And part of the work we want to do here at the Luminary Room is learning about the ways that those who inspire us feed themselves mentally, emotionally spiritually physically and so now is the time for our vacation braids segment and our segment is called vacation braids because you know as black femmes we know what it means when we get a fresh set of braids like for vacation right like the ritual of getting braids for vacation sets the intention for us to lean as deeply as we can into rest joy and rejuvenation while looking you know damn good so for this (laughs) vacation braids segment I just want to know the things that you're doing to allow yourself to lean into rest, joy, and reju- rejuvenation while you do this work. Mm. Yeah. Man, I love the title of that. So, yeah. vacation braids segment. Yes, vacation braids. It's going to be a black, 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 you know? Yes. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, in the last five years, you know, um, it's so funny saying, you know, like, I'm from the South, South Chicago, I take Chicago kind of everywhere I go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I myself, you know, a big thing that I've done in the 30s is locking my hair. Yeah. And it's still, uh, like, we were talking 
something that happened and was like, boom, back in your hand. Yeah. Like, that, that's what you did to take care of yourself. Yeah. I had really, I really have, have been intentional the last five years. Um, little by little, you know, uh, in small doses, um, as Amanda Seals is. Yeah. Care of myself um, and learn like what it is, who I was, what it is I needed, you know, what taking care of myself and what it looked like for me, uh, and then uh, practicing it, you know, often. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that meant daily, sometimes that meant weekly. Yeah. Uh, I started off with journaling. I remember this, like, this is clear to me. Like, so yes. I got to all about, like, let me journal. You know, I can't do it in Atlanta because. My lifestyle in Atlanta was very busy, very hectic. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was caring for my sister, you know, in certain ways. So it was busy. So I journaled, and I got my first therapist out here in New Orleans. Yep. Um, that was a way I took care of myself. I got um, connected. This was the first time I really got connected to God, like for real. Like yeah. I've been in church my whole life, but I didn't really know God like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that was really uh, a spirit in this really big way, right? Um, So I have done all this work spiritually, and this is surreal spirit work, going into the river, going to different bodies of water, talking to the ancestors. Yeah. And it kind of like hit me like I'm, you know, a new person spiritually. And I wanted to lock that in, you know, lock all this stuff in. Um, and our crown is a way of doing that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't just call them locks like locks. I call them spiritual locks. Yeah. Um, and I think I just made a year, my year lock anniversary. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations. And where do you get your locks done in New Orleans? Yeah. Shout out to Little Lockstar. Um, mm-hmm. She's a lock tissue uh, print shop. It's up in Bienville, Mid City. Being off of off of Bienville and. Carrollton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, love her. And I, she's just so dope. And let me tell you, Natalie, because, you know, I was like, I wanted the right person. I was, this is my second set. The first time I locked my hair, it wasn't like, I didn't have this profound, deeper meaning. Like, I didn't yeah. understand that he was going to be spiritual. So they only last a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. I took them down, and this is my second set. And I didn't have the right person. I think uh, I think the energy from their hands into my hair, to my yeah. crown, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but I know it was right because I asked someone in the community, uh, a spiritual person, like, who will be a good person, you know, that's on a similar wavelength, um, who, you know, uh, do my locks, my spiritual locks, and she suggested. That's it, no lock star. Um, and I know this is very divine because I asked her right before she got in my head, right? I mean, we had our consultation and everything before, and I was like, she's it. Um, but right before she started my first, um, I didn't, before she did anything touching my hair, I was like, you mind if we pray? Yeah, yeah. And she was like, sure, no problem. You know, yeah. I had to and shout out to black um, businesses, black family businesses, people who bring their kids into their business. Mm-hmm. Um, her daughter who does lots of well. Victoria was um, um, 
in there as well. And she bowed her head too. And mm -hmm. we said a quick prayer and we got her to it. And it's just a spiritual journey with her. Mm -hmm. And um, her shop, um, headliners, um, Nola, Nola Lockstar, mm -hmm. um, on Instagram, and Nola Lockstar for headliners. Nola, 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 N-O-L-A. Well, that is so beautiful and I mean, very much in line with vacation braids because like, you know, like you said, your crown, um, especially as a black woman, is like everything and taking care of that is not anything small. Um, it's a it's a big piece of who you are, whether you have your hair shaved or hair down to your waist or you have locks. It's it's really, really important. Um, so thank you for sharing that with us. And shout out to Nola Lockstar. If y'all, you know, need your hair locked in New Orleans, uh, hit her up. She's doing good work in the community. Um, this has been such a beautiful start to this podcast. And thank you, everyone, uh, for joining me here. Thank you, Candace Henderson, for stopping by to chat with us about the purpose work and all of the impactful work happening at the Freedom House Museum here in New Orleans. Um, how, Candace can people support you and where can they find you? Um, you can check out our website, friends of the Freedom House. Mm -hmm. um, we count ourselves as a friend here of the Freedom House, so just a friend of the work, you know. Yeah. Uh, we want to do the work alongside you, so hit us up um, if you need a space um, for an event. That's a great way to support us, keep with us with the space for um, it could be a community meeting. Shout out to Mama Carol, who had a beautiful um, racial and circle training. Um, here a couple months ago, that was beautiful. Um, you can support us by, of course, donate it. Um, friends of the Freedom House, yeah, yeah. Um, you could PayPal us, you know, we have all those ways to donate on our website. Okay, again, friends of Freedomhouse.com. And you can follow us on social media, you know, and talk to us, you know, comment, uh, on our posts, friends at. Instagram at Friends of the Freedom House, um, also on TikTok and Facebook at Friends of the Freedom House, um, like our posts and all that stuff. It helps with our algorithms. Mm -hmm. um, and come by and see the space. You know, you can email us. Um, our email is on our website too. Um, come by, check us out. Uh, and let's see how we can, you know, partner, you know, that's yeah. how we want to share the space with the community. What do you need from the space? You know, um, and how can the space uh, help you? And how can you help it? You know, just like Natalie uh, James was a blue catalyst in the luminary room, um, illuminating us. You know, where I was illuminated. This is what we do. Yes, yes. And I don't need to say much else after that. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank y'all so much for joining. And I do want to leave you with a little treat before we go. Um, since music and reading really helped me to see my way through this life. When I was preparing a journey to New Orleans, I was very intentional about the literature I would bring with me and the music I wanted to bring with me on my journey down. And so I curated a specific reading list and my homegirl, Stephanie Dinsay, created a Spotify playlist for me to journey to my new, more creative life in the South. So I will link both of those things so y'all can partake and 
thank y'all so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you found something to take with you. Um, until next what? Until next time. Uh, bye. <laughs>